0: Hi, Story Seeds podcast listeners. Your host, Betsy Bird here. Welcome to our bonus episode. One of my favorite parts of this job is that I get to talk to all the authors we are featuring on the podcast to get behind-the-scenes scoops on their experiences in writing life. Hello, everyone. I am back for this week's special bonus episode where I'll be chatting with last week's author match, Tracy Batiste. Tracy has written a ton of books, including the New York Times best-selling Minecraft, The Crash, and her deeply mysterious Caribbean fantasy series, The Jumbies. By now, you've heard the story she grew with Amalia, Joy's Challenge, on our last episode, and I am delighted to be getting a chance to talk with her today. Tracy, thank you so much for talking with me. Sure. Thank you for having me, Betsy. Not even a problem. So, first question, right off the bat, what made you want to be a part of Story
1: Seeds? Oh well, see, um, Sa- uh, Sandia and I actually are um, friends. We've known each other since I was an editor at Scholastic. Get out of town. Yeah, yeah. This was this was a million years ago. Um, so oh, she and I worked together a little bit then we were both uh, freelancing and sometimes we just get together for a lunch just to chat and catch up and, you know, um, talk to each other about various things. And when she told me about this project, she actually came over to my house to, to let me know about it. And it sounded like something that would be perfect for me to participate in.
0: So Amelia. You know, you both have a connection to uh, the Caribbean and to Trinidad specifically. And right, this was something Spence. that the Story Seeds folks like discovered after they had matched you up together, which is fairly amazing.
1: I know. Who knew? I know Trinidadians everywhere, right? So we often talk about the importance for kids to see themselves represented in stories.
0: So how did your connection with Amalia affect
1: your storytelling? You know, I really listened to what she wanted in the story. The character that she created, Joy, was very much like her. She's a soccer player. She's adventuresome. She's always up climbing, doing stuff. She's a very active kid. And so I really wanted Joy basically to be Amalia uh, Mm -hmm. in story form. So I really <laughs> took her direction uh, when we were on the call, the, the Zoom call that we did to, um, to, to kick everything off. You know, I was noting what she even looked like. So her description really shows up in the story as well. Um, so it really is very, very much closely linked to, to her, to her ideas, to her identity.
0: Well, that's really cool. And then, so what did Amalia bring to the table? How did you feel you wanted to help her grow her idea?
1: She came up with the idea of uh, having a girl who, um, the the tree communicates with her in some way. Um, and she had a lot of different ideas about how this could happen. Right. But better than too many than too few, Right. Yes. Right. So it was, you know, it was my job to kind of focus her in a little bit. And so by the end of the call, we had gotten the idea of focusing it in on a girl who was nervous about playing soccer again because she had been injured and she's nervous about being injured again. And the tree is trying to help her to get over her fears by communicating in some way, and the the tree is kind of challenging her, pushing her a little bit. And I leave it there so that the reader can then take it up from that point, because that's a really big, meaty, juicy juncture to start from.
0: And can I tell you, as I was reading your story, I forgot that this was not like a full book. So I got to the end of like, wait, what? What? Oh, right, 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 dang it, darn! I was really into it. I really liked that story. There oh was so good. much I'm in
1: glad. It. Yeah, but I, I so cool. you know, I do have a good hand, I think, with um, natural elements in, in my mm-hmm. books. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, I feel like do. it really was an excellent match for me yes. to to do this kind of story where really nature is coming in and nature has its own voice and, and how can nature have a voice? Oh no, you do.
0: Yeah, no, this was a, a Tracy Batiste novel that just oh, happened yeah. for some reason to stop way too soon. I was, I was- <laughs> So you mentioned at one point that uh, you guys met, you know, via video. So it's so strange that right now we're doing so much of our work and our school inside these days. And so for you, what was it like meeting and working with Amalia, like virtually and doing this quarantine episode uh, during this time of COVID-19?
1: It was not as weird as I thought it would be, actually, mm-hmm. because we had a really good conversation and I was able to get her personality really well. And uh, I think she was able to get my personality really well in that call. But one of the things that happened that would not have happened or not as ha- not happened as well if we had met in person is that I was able to take notes without it intruding on our conversation, because Mm -hmm. if we had met in person, we're like running around and the plan originally was that we were going to go someplace and like literally climb trees and and stuff together,
0: which would have been super fun.
1: So uh, I was really looking forward to that, but that would have been something that I would not have been able to like sit there and take notes as well as I did but i i I kind of do hope that we do get a chance to do that anyway because that would have been really fun
0: that would be really nice like a like a post episode let's go climb a tree that's right exactly so you also both send each other videos of one another before the recording session tell me a little bit about that
1: i have a lot of trees in my backyard so this was not uh, this was not a hardship <laughs> for me to, to go into my backyard and uh, take a little video. So we have this gray dogwood tree in my backyard, which was just about to start blooming. And Aww. it is the most beautiful tree that we have in our backyard. It's been struggling a little bit uh, of late. And so uh, we've had like a tree doctor come out and say, oh, you know, you really got to cut this sucker down. And we're like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's got another year in it. Let's see what happens next year. <laughs> and it keeps holding on. So that was the tree that I introduced to Amalia in the video. And I also introduced her to my dog, Barkley, at the same time. Because <laughs> he was, you know, you can't go out in the backyard without Barkley. He is not going to have it. So how did you decide on an oak tree specifically? Well, I figured that that could be one of the methods of uh, conversation, was if the acorns were able to drop on the character's head. And that could be something that was nonverbal communication. So that was why I decided on that one. I thought that one would work really well. And it's also a really good tree to climb. Yep.
0: So you both live in the in New Jersey, uh, and you, you chose to set the story there. So is there yep. any truth to it actually being the garden state? Because I hate to say it, most people think of New Jersey... They think of the New Jersey Turnpike,
1: so I need you to justify your state <laughs> motto. Is it the Garden State? Yes, it absolutely is the Garden State. Uh, we actually mm-hmm. live where I live in Bergen County. There are a couple of nature reserves that we go to all the time. So you go in there, and you are in the forest. Like You don't hear any car sounds. You don't hear any... Um, anything but birds and animals walking around, and there are, you know, all kinds of critters. Um, But yeah, New Jersey is absolutely the garden state. Where, uh, Like from the top of the hill where I live, when you look down, it's mostly trees. All right. Well justified. I will give it to you. A few years
0: ago, uh, the science journal Nature published this, quite frankly, very cool study about the wood wide web. They did call it that. I'm going to dock some points for that. But uh-huh. they didn't, in any case, um, that was sort of the name they gave to this network of underground roots through which trees literally sort of talk and communicate with each other. And so hearing Amelia's story idea, um, you know, she might have been on to something there. You know, here's a story about a tree that's communicating that's with a girl this time. And now this story seems even more timely as we're learning more about trees and how um, nature and, and places that are safe for us to venture and explore while, while the world is kind of shut down. So
1: for you, at its heart, what, what is this story about for you? Uh, this story really is about friendship. Um, you know, this is a tree that has been on Joy's property for a long time, probably saw her growing up. Um, And so the tree is exhibiting signs of care and kind of parenting a little bit, right? Because it's obviously quite old. And so it is trying to set her on the right path again when the tree sees her struggling. And I did really lean into the idea of of trees being these great communicators and having this underground network where um, they are all connected to each other. And it occurs to me throughout the work that I do, like all of the stories that I write, that there is more connective tissue between people and objects and circumstances than we really think about. So that's really what I leaned into when I started thinking about this story. And I I love the idea of um, inanimate objects, especially nature objects, trying to reach out in some way to tell us things. And Mm. I really loved the idea of this tree being like an elder, That wanted to care for this girl and saw that she was struggling and came up with this way to assist her. And you'll notice in the story, too, it's the dog that brings her there. So Gunk is the one that brings her to the tree. And Gunk really is in cahoots with the tree. (laughs) um gunk (laughs) understands yeah gunk (laughs) understands what's happening here and gunk understands that he needs to lead joy there so that the tree can do what the tree needs to do because of course she's not going to get there on her own so all of the non-virtual non-verbal nature um elements um, are communicating with each other to help the main character.
0: Well, and but what's so interesting about it is that you don't have, the tree doesn't just magically have, like, you mentioned Cinderella at one point, and in a lot of these stories, the tree is the stand-in for the fairy godmother in some of the original Grimm stories, yes. I think that uh-huh. was the case, and it's like, the tree's like, have a dress, <laughs> you know, here you go, that's the thing you want, I'll just give it to you, and... Uh, you know, and in fact, there have been countless children's book horror stories. Um, there was one by Jonathan Oxier called The Night Gardener. Uh-huh. There was The Lie Tree by Frances Harding. And these are all about the tree will give you something, but there's a price to pay. In your case, the tree isn't giving anything. It's making her work harder. And that was such an interesting take on it. How did you like tackle it from that angle?
1: I think when Amelia was talking about the tree sort of communicating with the girl and helping her, I was trying to think of a way that um, it could do that. Uh, you know, like, how can I make this tree um, assist her? And it seemed, because I'm a tree climber, <laughs> it seemed oh. like a good idea to have her have difficulty climbing the tree because I you know I've been that kid who's you know trying to climb up a tree and slipping and getting my skin you know nicked on or you know like getting bruises off of the bark of the tree because I you know didn't get a good foothold in uh, so I was really drawing on my childhood and uh, you know my experience climbing trees to figure out. Um, how to do this particular sequence, and it seemed like, and trees do move, right? You know, you think about being inside of a tree, and you know, like the wind blows, and um, the branches move, and there's like a little bit of creaking. And I just thought of exaggerating that a bit, so that it's not just about the wind moving it, and it's just moving because the wind is moving it, but it is actively trying to shape itself a little bit to. Um, to push the girl more and more. And I liked the idea of the tree being able to grow pieces or bend bits of itself um, Mm -hmm. under its own command rather than having something else impose itself on the tree.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, let's, let's do your origin story. Everybody likes a good origin story. So did you like to, uh, did you like to write as a kid? Um, how did you decide to become a storyteller? What, where, where, where did this all come from?
1: Well, uh, I was quite young when I decided I wanted to tell stories. I was three years old oh, wow. when my mom gave me a book of Grimm's fairy tales. Um <laughs> It was this huge, giant, illustrated, it was like uh, watercolor illustrations. It was so beautiful, and I'm so sorry that I, I no longer have it. But um, she gave me this huge book, and because I was three, it seemed like a giant book. Like I could, you know, like walk inside of it because I was mm-hmm. a tiny human. But the thing that attracted me to the idea of being a storyteller, was that the book said um, Grimm's fairy tales. It was not just fairy tales and then on the bottom by the Brothers Grimm or whatever. Grimm Mm -hmm. was like the biggest part of the title. Like it was huge fun. And I thought, well, I want to have my name on the cover of a book really big like that. So, you know. Uh, so, so that was kind of, <laughs> that was kind of the thing. But I also was um, you know, I was a talker as a as a very young kid and I like to have people listen to me and people seem to really enjoy listening to me. So, you know, so I just talked a lot and so I told a lot of stories. Like I, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people who are way older than me. Like I always was talking to to adults, telling them Lord knows what. Um, and this was, like, if you look at my uh, old report cards, it says things like that. Like, Tracy, you know, does not know when to stop talking. Tracy is quite a talker. <laughs> Tracy has a lot of things to say. <laughs> you know? um, so I think I was telling stories for a long time, but but I was definitely three years old when I, when I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to write books because then I can have my name on the cover. And that seems really cool. It is very cool. Yeah. There's
0: no denying that that is a cool thing. <laughs> a book and your name is like freaking on the cover. It's amazing. Exactly. Thank you. So what are your writing habits? Like do you get up super early? Are you up really, really late? Do you snack while you write? Or there's any quirky thing you do uh when you're making up your
1: stories? Um I do not wake up early. That's sounds awful. (laughs) I know that there are plenty of people who do that. I cannot, I have tried to do that, to be somebody who wakes up super early and works early. I can't. When my kids were younger, it was more difficult because of course, you know, they're underfoot and, Mm. and things, but they learned very early that when i was in my office if i had the door closed it means that i was working
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they could not come in and sometimes i would only have 30 minutes or so to to work but they understood that if the door was closed then you know i was working and that there were only two circumstances under which they could open that door one of them was fire and the other <laughs> one was blood <laughs> um, so, so that was the rule for, for, for them when they were really, really little. Now that they're older, it's a lot easier because I'm in my office and I mostly actually leave the door open because they leave me alone. But if I absolutely need to concentrate and I, I really need them to not disturb me, like right now, for example, I have my office door closed and there's a sticky note on it that says that I'm in a meeting. I was really hoping that the sticky
0: note would say uh, fire or blood question mark.
1: <laughs> no. uh well yeah it, uh, if there's fire or blood um they know to uh, ignore the sticky note the sticky note no longer um applies, no longer so, applies. Right. so far we have not had fire or blood so that is excellent your track I, record is excellent but, but knock on wood know. right now <laughs> exactly i know i'm super super excited about it knock on wood knock on all kinds of things to make the sure record. knock on trees <laughs>
0: Knock on trees. Ooh, perfect nice yeah. man. i like that see Tying it all together. It's perfect. Yeah. Well, I know that right now I am seeing all these writers and they are online talking about how hard it is to be creative right now during a pandemic. And they're often saying, how are you people creative? I cannot be creative. I am freaking out right now. So (laughs) how are you personally keeping yourself writing and being creative during COVID-19?
1: Well, you know, it's funny when, when all of this started, um, I had I notoriously have a million projects going on at the same time. And that is just the way that I work. I just do a lot of things at the at the same time and I tend to be very organized in how I approach things. So I use my wall, a lot the wall one of the walls in my office has um like a think board on it. And it has these huge sticky notes on it where I have down all of my projects and what phase it's in, whether I'm in the concept phase or research phase or proposal phase or first draft phase or whatever it is. And so I have the titles of all the various projects and where I am in the process with it. But even before this pandemic hit, I was actually writing two books at the same time. I was writing the Minecraft book, and Yay. I was writing a graphic novel, a historical graphic novel about the relationship between Rosa Parks and Claudette Colvin. Ooh. And yeah, and so I was working on those two books in the fall of, I wanna say, 2017. Mm-hmm. And, um, Elise Howard, my editor, asked me if I would write a third Jumbies book. And so I started using these sticky notes. Like anytime I had like a little bit of an idea, I would write it down on a sticky note and put it on my wall. And eventually I had sort of a critical mass, I guess, of sticky notes or sticky note ideas. And I could kind of see the whole story. And that's basically how I was able to come up with the third Jumbies story. And in doing that, some friends of mine who I talk to all the time, who are also children's book writers, said, you know, people would be really interested in figuring out or hearing you talk about how you were able to do this. So I came up with this lecture called Creativity Under Pressure. Mm -hmm. And I started giving that lecture uh, at the end of um, maybe maybe around mid-2018, which was about how I was able to figure out working on this one book while I was so busily working on other things. So when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, wait, I already <laughs> I already have <laughs> been telling people that I know how to manage this you know, pandemic and be creative in this pandemic. And so I did a series of eight three to five minute videos called Creativity Under Pressure, And I just put them up on my Facebook page. And I basically would, like, you know, exactly as I am now, sitting in my office, talking to you, I would just turn on the camera on my computer and just talk through, like, the first point. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first point is about um, your creative space. And, you know, like, and, of course, your creative space may not always be, like, an office or anything like that. But, you know, like, having some space that feels comfortable to you, and that's your creative space. And one of the other ones is about your creative ritual. There are certain things that people just do. And sometimes they don't even realize that that's the thing that they're doing. Um, but once you realize that that's your creative ritual, having it before you start working is, is kind of a little bit of a trigger for you so that you do it and then you're automatically in this headspace of being able to be creative. And it's so it's a bunch of little things like that. And so I, I have um, all eight of the little mini talks, um, up on my, uh, on my Facebook page. Also, I think my husband put them up on my website as well. Oh, good. Good.
0: Well, that just leads perfectly into my last question then. So let's say you've got, uh, you you know, these kids are listening right now to this and they want to have stronger imaginations. They want to, they want to take that imagination muscle. They want to strengthen it. Can you address the kids and just give them some ideas for how to strengthen that imagination muscle, if you will.
1: Yeah, actually, you know, one of the things that I really love to do is do mashups of things. So obviously, like you know, the jump—the first Jumbies book really is kind of a mashup of Cinderella plus Jumbies. Um, plus uh, this particular Haitian folktale um, that is so, also sort of a Cinderella story, which is, it's called The Magic Orange Street. So I really did take all those things and sort of mush them all together and make something entirely new. And um, there is something in that of taking two... Or three disparate things and finding a new way of mixing them together that I find very compelling. And there are um, there's this card game. It's called Disruptus, and um, so you can I think it's from uh, Funny Bone Toys or something like that. And basically, you can you know like shuffle up the deck. Um, And you just like pick two cards. And it might be a card that's like a pair of scissors and a shoe. And you can use like any part of any of those things to sort of put them together to come up with some new thing. And I had the idea the other day that I would take this to my students because I teach at Leslie University in their creative writing program. And mm-hmm. I had the idea that I would take those, but I would also add a character. Like maybe I would take a pair of uh, dice or something and I would like write a character, you know, like a, you know, it could be um, an, an, a person, an animal, a child, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would have them pick two cards and then we'd roll the dice and see what the character was and then have them come up with some kind of story that has to do with the two objects and that character. And that's just a way to give your brain some exercise and stretch it. And it would be something that you, you know, like, because it's hard sometimes to like come up with you know, what am I going to write about? But if you mm-hmm. sort of have the cards and the dice kind of tell you, and then you're forced to come up with it because that's just what you're doing right now, you find that you just come up with things kind of automatically, and it surprises you. It's really surprising the kinds of things that you come up with when the choice of of what you're going to be writing about is taken away from you. So I highly recommend that, doing things like that. Well. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time out of your
0: busy day and, and talking with us and, uh, and talking to us about your story. Sure. Thank you for having me. Well, folks, that's all for today. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast streaming platform so you can tune in as soon as our newest episodes drop. If you have a stellar story seed and want to be on the show, email us at storyseeds at you can also call our hotline at 646-389-5153 and leave a voicemail telling me all about it. Find us on Instagram at Pod and visit our website www.StorySeedsPodcast.com for behind-the-scenes pictures, to join the Story Seeds Society, and so much more. Credit to Matt Boynton and Anya Jeshik of Ultraviolet Audio for the sound mixing, design, and score of our bonus episode. Our theme music is composed and performed by Andrew Van Weingarten. And I am your host, Betsy Bird. Story Seeds is a Literary Safari Media production. On Story Seeds You're in control of your destiny Adventures you design
1: Where your dreams can grow A little more each time On Story Seeds